Our uh, reading of the New Te- of the Old Testament, where uh, this is a, I should explain, this is a new series, and the series is going to be once at the beginning of each month. So in the evening. So at the beginning of each month in the evening, we're going to pause on Ephesians, and uh, I'm starting a series on the sacraments. Um, I just thought it would be useful, and it would change up things for us and uh, might be uh, helpful for us all. And also, I want to get this on record (laughs) on our sermon tape because we have folk uh, listening to us who may not have heard our views on these things and that it would be something they could listen to as well. So uh, to that end, we're going to start with the first sacraments. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, we're going to skip down a little bit. It's in the bulletin, and both in chapter 2 and chapter 3. I will announce where we're at when I get there. But we'll begin with Genesis 2, verse 5 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground... The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. And now skipping down to verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And now, chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Genesis three twenty-two. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. May May the Lord bless our reading and exposition of his word. So, if you were to look in the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is the uh, chapter on sacraments, this is in the back of our hymnal after the Psalter, after the Psalms, Westminster Confession, chapter 27. So, this is on page 864 of the sacraments. 
to begin with, it says this, sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits and to confirm our interest in him as also to put a visible difference between those that belong to the church and the rest of the world and solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ according to his word. There is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified. Whence it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. There are a couple of things in here that we will want to be reflecting on as we look at our passage. Now, our confession talks about sacraments and the covenant of grace. Uh, that's because the sacraments with the covenant of works with Adam are obsolete. So really, there's no reason to put that in our confession. They are not really for us. They are they were for Adam. But there are two sacraments in the covenant of works with Adam. They are the two trees, the tree of the knowing of good and evil and the tree of life. The first tree, the tree of knowing of good and evil, is sometimes called in our literature the probation tree, the tree of testing, uh, the test of Adam for his covenant loyalty to the Lord. Now, the reason why this is going to work is because you'll notice in the confession it talks about a sacrament connected to the covenant of grace uh, and sacraments are connected to a covenant. Uh, this comes clear, you know, every time we read the institution of the Lord's Supper, you'll recall Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant. You know, he connects what's happening in the Lord's Supper with the new covenant uh, because sacraments are covenantal things. Uh, so when you're looking at the Genesis account, you're looking at a covenant. Uh, this is uh, the Adamic covenant, which is actually in our confession also, chapter 7, section 2. The first covenant made with man was a covenant of works, wherein life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. But notice there, life is promised. Where is life promised to Adam? Well, it's in the tree of life. That's the embodiment of the promise of the covenant of works, that when he would successfully fulfill the terms of that probation, that testing, uh, he would have access to the tree of life. So this, uh, this statement in the confession about sacraments is relevant to the covenant of works with Adam because it really is talking about covenantal things. It's simply that our confession is focused on the sacraments as they relate to us. Uh, and that that's right and proper. But it's fairly common in Reformed literature to refer to these two trees as sacramental. You actually find most of our theologians talking in that terminology. Um, and so one of the things about our chapter 27 that's particularly helpful for us is notice it says that the sacrament is immediately instituted by God. Now, by immediately, they don't mean suddenly. It means that he does it directly. He institutes it. He doesn't have someone else instituted for us. Uh, he, uh, without any mediation, institutes it. And you'll notice that God plants these trees. 
and identifies them and gives them their character. Uh, so these trees are from God. He immediately, in the sense of without any mediation or uh, any roundabout way, you know, clearly without mediation, gives these trees for their purpose. And he he assigns them their purpose. Uh, these are not for he doesn't just uh, make a mound of Play-Doh and say, well, you know, make what you want and we'll see what happens. <laughs> he, he instead plants these trees and he tells us what they are and their purpose. So this is part of that immediately. So there's a divine origin in consecration of these sacraments. This is really vital when you think about the sacraments that we participate in. Uh, what's really important about the sacraments that we have today, baptism and the Lord's Supper, is what the Lord is doing in those sacraments. Uh, what we're doing is good and proper. We come to the Lord. Uh, we are, you know, turning ourselves over to the Lord in baptism. We partake in faith. We come to Him. We repent. We, uh, we call upon Him. These are all good and proper things. But it's his, his actions in the sacraments which are vital. This is, this is part of this uh, divine consecration. He has consecrated the sacraments for a holy purpose. These are not ordinary things anymore. Uh, we, we're going to get into that later. Uh, this is actually part of why you hear us give warnings about taking the Lord's Supper wrongly. This is, this is not to be done because they come from God and He consecrates them to a special use. We don't, this is not a snack. This is not a mid, you know, morning snack for, for the children or for us. This is a holy, consecrated, uh, sacramental event where the Lord is active. Now notice that the trees we have read enough in Genesis, uh, the trees of the knowledge and good and evil are not the only food. It says the Lord caused to spring up every tree uh, that's good for fruit, good for food. They already have food in the garden, or should say he does, Adam. Uh, so this is sort of like the Lord's Supper. You'll recall in the Lord's Supper when I uh, have been, I've been reading the one from Matthew, simply because we're working in Matthew. I've, I've only been reading that one. I used to read First Corinthians, but... I switched to Matthew just because we're there. But it's quite striking to me every time I read it that it's while they were eating, he took bread. So they're already eating. They're already being filled with food. It's a Passover meal. Uh, but it's while they're eating, then he took bread and consecrated it for a special use. So it's not just it's not really just for food. Uh, likewise, with these trees, they, uh, you know, man is already given food. Uh, these trees have a special purpose, and they are signs of a covenant bond. Now, covenant bond is the mo- probably the most common thing throughout the Bible. That's, e- that's easily demonstrated. It comes up over and over and over, the covenant bond. The purpose of God's covenants that he gives to us is to bind us to him like marriage. I am your God. You are my people. I belong to you and you belong to me. Notice the echo of marriage in that. That's what 
the covenant bond is. And marriage is a kind of covenant. Uh, but God has modeled marriage to demonstrate his covenant to us. That's Ephesians 5, which we're getting to eventually. Who knows how long we're going to be working on this, you know, once a month for 20 years. <laughs> but it, it, it's there and we'll, we'll probably sneak it in sometime. But for now, this is, this is a very important point about sacraments. It's that bond. It, it brings a bond with the Lord. And this is part of what they're symbolizing. Notice the, the Lord gives these trees uh, and they have a certain feature that he's providing for his people. They're a sign of his provision for his people. But furthermore, they're a seal. Uh, a seal is a divinely given mark where he administers this covenant bond to someone. So a seal is a bond sealed. It's a, uh, this connection with him is now certified and sealed to someone. This is why baptism is so important as a seal. You are, you're receiving the Lord's name upon you. It's not, it's not accidental that the minister says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because that's what our Lord Jesus taught us to do. Uh, in Matthew 28. And we just do that. It's interesting that our book of order, which I've uh, reviewed recently because, you know, we're having a baptism in two weeks. Uh, it says to the minister, just say this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Don't get all wordy and preach a sermon here. Just say this. I baptize you <laughs> name in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love that. I think that's perfect. Uh, you don't need a sermon, and you need a baptism and the your, the the words of institution. Uh, it's it's conveying the name. It's very simple, very straightforward, uh, and very important for us to see that. This is because it's from the Lord. Now, when we get to the sacramental union that I read that second section in the confession, so this is twenty-seven section two. Uh, it, it talks about the sacramental union between the thing and and what it's, it uh, symbolizes. And I'd like to come back to that uh, because that helps us understand uh, Genesis 3.22, which can be a kind of a problem text for us. But this is what's going on there. Now, let me go back. And and for some of you... Uh, you, you know that we talk about the Adamic covenant, so the covenant with Adam, uh, and how what's happening here in Genesis 2 is covenantal stuff. This is obviously uh, necessary for me to establish that uh, in order that you see the two trees as sacraments, because if there's no covenant going on here, you can't have a sacrament, because Sacraments tie in with covenant. They've got to have both. So how is it that we take this as covenantal? Well, first of all, there's warrant for this. This is a, a, a very important thing when you're studying the scripture and someone says something uh, like there's a covenant going on here. You can very properly say, well, what is your biblical warrant for that? How is it that that is warranted? And the scripture should be interpreted that way. So you're giving a reason and a rationale 
for accepting that as a proper interpretation of a text. Because the word does not appear here. The word actually appears, first of all, in Genesis 6 with Noah. And it appears again in Genesis 9. By the way, we will go there also. Uh, and that, that that's next. So you don't have to wait 20 years for that one. Uh, just a couple of months or a month. That's... Uh, that's the first time the word appears. Why do we see covenant here? Well, the warrant is quite clear, actually. And that's Second Samuel chapter 7. I won't ask you to read that. Uh, we'll, we'll be here all night if we do that. But if you want to look at this, it's Second Samuel 7. And this is the promise to David that his son will sit on his throne forever. And then God says, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. Do you want to know one of the more interesting places where that appears in the scripture? Revelation 21, 7 of you and me. That language is picked up in Revelation and the new creation with the fulfillment of the covenant bond. And then we're accepted, you know, I will be God to you, you'll be my people. That's said also, by the way, in Revelation 21, 3. But in chapter 7, it says... And I will be God to him. He will be my I will be father to him. and He will be my son of the believer. That's us. So that's that's the promise there. That's the covenant bond. I will be father to him. See, it's a, not just God to him. but I will be a father to him. Uh, the covenant bond is made more personal and intimate, but it's still a bond. I now I will adopt your son into my family. He will be mine. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. This, of course, is fulfilled in Solomon, but even more properly fulfilled by one who is a natural son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, But in 2 Samuel 7, you don't have the word covenant and you don't have swearing. Now, swearing is swearing of an oath which seals a covenant. Where you have a covenant, you have a sworn oath. Sometimes the two are synonymous. The oath that I swore to Abraham, the covenant that I made with him. You have this as parallel. But then you look at Psalm 89. Twice. Twice. The Lord says, the covenant that I swore to David. That's in Psalm 89.3. And then the oath that I made, this covenant oath, Psalm 89.34 and 35. And then you have it in Jeremiah 33.21. The covenant that I swore to David. That his son will sit on his throne forever. This is a covenant. This is covenant making. So here's the point. We're not importing the idea of covenant to Genesis 2. If the stuff is there of covenant, then it's a covenant. Uh, you, you have the Lord setting up a situation which is covenantal. Similar to 2 Samuel 7 and the interpretation of it later where covenant terminology is used to interpret what was happening. See, that's our warrant. The Bible itself is warrant for our taking. Genesis 2 is covenantal. And then Hosea 6-7. Hosea 6-7. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. So there it's explicit. Hosea 6-7. Like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. The covenant is there with Adam. 
So this covenant bond is implied in these trees. And these trees are sacraments. And they do something covenantal. Now, first of all, you'll note, if you were to read this chapter, Genesis 2, you'll note that Eve has not, not been made yet. Only Adam. When God takes the tree of knowledge... And he says in verse 16, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, verse 18, then the Lord God says, not good. The man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. Then he makes Eve. So the commandment comes to Adam. This is why it's Adam's sin. As in Adam, all die. So also in Christ, all will be made alive. It's because Eve hasn't been made yet. The commandment comes to Adam. He is the covenant head. Uh, so this is the stipulation of the covenant. Covenants have components. One of them is stipulation. Uh, this is really easy to show from Scripture. It's called the words of the covenant sometimes, but it's a stipulation. It's something that God stipulates about the covenant. Um, and here it is. This is Genesis 2. 17, here's the stipulation. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So that's the commandment. That, that's the terms of the covenant. Because a covenant places an obligation upon both parties. God has maintained his role as creator and maintainer. And then he commands this of Adam. You will not eat of this tree. That's a stipulated requirement. In order to maintain this covenant bond... You have to obey my commandment. You will not eat of this tree. This is why it's a testing tree. It's a probationary tree. It tests Adam whether he is going to live by the word of God or he's going to live by his own interpretation of things. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the question for Adam now. Are you going to live by the word of God? He commanded you not to eat of that tree. Are you going to obey that commandment? That's a stipulation. And the covenant rests on that. This is why it's a sacrament. The covenant is uh, intensified and embodied in that sign and seal of that tree. So this is a stipulation of the covenant in, in this object. That's what a sacrament does. It gives you a visible sign of the, of the seal of the covenant. So you can see it. This is very similar to Genesis 17 with, with circumcision. This is my covenant in your flesh. You shall circumcise your children. You shall be circumcised. This is my covenant in your flesh. Here it is embodied. Here it is here. Here the covenant is embodied. Are you going to obey me and live by my word and accept me as your covenant Lord or not. And then you have the sanctions. The sanctions are twofold in covenants. There's a blessing for obedience and a cursing for disobedience. What do you have here? Well, you just read the rest of 17. Pretty obvious. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. There you have it. The death sentence is a sanction, the curse for covenant disobedience. And there it is. 
And the sacrament makes this alive. It, it embodies this covenant in this physical sign and seal. So you can see the covenant bond and the issue of it, both the uh, both the, the terms of the covenant, the stipulations, as well as the sanctions. And where, by the way, is the blessing? The tree of life. <laughs> kind of obvious now. You have, a, you, have a, you have a tree of death and you have a tree of life. Right? Blessing and cursing. So this is, this is what you have, uh, why you have both of these trees. Now, um, this tree of life is quite interesting. Because it shows up again. And I'm not going to... We could go all over the place to find this. But let me give you a couple places to think about the tree of life and then also mention to you 322, as I had indicated. First of all, it's quite interesting that actually a couple of times it also appears in the book of Acts. But First Peter 2, Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. It's interesting, the cross is called a tree. He bore... Uh, our sins in his body on the tree. Because Adam had violated the commandment of God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the last Adam had to be hung on a tree. Interesting. He picks up where the first Adam had failed utterly and brought us into sin and misery. And then Jesus overthrew it on a tree. So that then the tree of life can come alive for us in him. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2.7 Adam did not conquer. He did not overcome Satan. I, won't, I didn't get into this, but earlier when the Lord said you should... It's translated, he should keep the garden. It's actually mean guard the garden. It's the normal word for guarding it. He should have guarded the garden from that snake and, and kept the snake out and, and have defeated the snake and conquered him. But he didn't. There is one who conquers the snake <laughs> in the book of Revelation. Uh, that great serpent, the devil. And he casts him into the lake of fire and uh, overthrows death and Satan uh, and casts them all into the lake of fire. So that at the end of the book of Revelation, we read this in Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's actually just one throne. The throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the tree, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It doesn't say trees. It says the tree of life. <laughs> so it's, it's spanning this river. <laughs> its roots are reaching on both sides of the river, either side. And is yielding 12 kinds of fruit every month. Every month there's fruit. Abundance of life. Life without any ending. 
Always providing nourishment for the people of God so that life will be the, the thing that is abundant in this new place because the tree of life has been replanted in the new creation for us to enjoy. But for us, we have free access to it. You see, because the access to the tree of life has been won for us on the tree of death of our Savior. This is, this is the story of the Bible from beginning to end. It's not accidental that you read this stuff in Revelation because Revelation is kind of bringing it all together. Uh, but you go back to Genesis 2 and you find those two sacraments right there. So what do you see in the tree of knowledge and the tree of life? You see sacraments. You see the covenant embodied there. It's a physical sign and seal of this bond with God. And it uh, shows you and demonstrates to you what the Lord is providing for in the covenant. Now, in the covenant of grace, he's providing grace. For Adam, he's providing a commandment that must not be transgressed. And in the day he does that, he would die. It's a covenant of works. It's based on his own personal obedience and he must pass that test and he failed so that the access to the tree of life is then prevented him and that's Genesis 3.22 as I open to now uh, as promised Genesis 3.22 when you read it let me read it again and I'll end with this then the Lord God said behold the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, he sent him out of the garden. Now, this is where you start seeing what our confession talks about when it says there are other places, but here's what it says. This is the Westminster Confession 27, section 2. There is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified. Whence it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. So the power of eternal life is given to this tree because there's a sacramental union of it. This is a part of the evidence why this is a sacramental tree. Is because of that it also happens elsewhere. There is a union between this tree and life so that you can talk about life through the tree. See, this is why you can't have access to the tree, because it would convey life, not magically and not in itself. But lest Adam think that he can live forever in this fallen state He can't partake of that tree anymore. He is disqualified from eating of that tree because life is prevented from him. Eternal life, based on his own actions, taking of that tree, his own personal accountability, he can't do it anymore. He has failed in that covenant. The works covenant is broken. That's what the Lord is telling us. That sacrament is not available to him anymore by his actions, lest he take from the fruit. Notice, lest he do this. He think that he can accomplish life by himself. 
Now, how many how many people do you know think they can? Medical advances, as wonderful as they are, through grit. There's there's a there's a woman. This is my favorite story. The news is always filled with these women in in England, no Scotland. Just one glass of scotch a day is her secret to living to 110. And if you drink just one, not two, just one glass of scotch a day, you'll live to be 110. I don't think that's a, is that a tree of life? It's grain of life or something. Brothers and sisters, obviously, we live in that kind of world here. People still think they can reach out and partake of life through their own efforts. But now the, now the Bible starts unfolding for us. We start seeing uh, this tree of life for what it really is. It's held out for us as a tree that has to be won and earned for us by one who was hung on a tree. That's, that's where we go now. And you and I have a sacrament, interestingly. Notice the tree fed him. It's a tree with fruit. And we have a sacrament from the Lord's Supper that feeds us with real real food, real manna, and, and the wine that really gives life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word and for its clarity and certainty. Help us to uh, understand it more carefully as we uh, continue to unfold its riches. And may we honor you with our words and our uh, meditations and with our understanding that we may proclaim your word carefully and may live according to your commandments. For we follow a Savior who is one for us, a great, a great privilege. We have a goal before us where a tree of life spans the river of life, the waters clear as crystal that we look forward to. Until that day, O oh Lord, give us perseverance and grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.